Welcome to Chaplain Stories, sacred stories from the front lines of ministry. My name is Chaplain Caleb McCary, and we are going to be talking to chaplains about their stories, living out their calling and ministering to military personnel. I'm so glad to have you joining us as we talk about faith, life, and ministry with our guests. All right, well, welcome to Chaplain Stories. I'm Chaplain McCary, and I'm here at the Ridgecrest Conference Center for an Endorsers Conference. And uh, there is an abundance of chaplains here that, for this conference, and so I had to take advantage of that to sit down with some of the chaplains that are here. As always, I want to remind everyone that the opinions expressed here are those of my guest and myself and are not those of the United States Army. And my guest here today is very dear to my heart because he was the chief of chaplains when I came into the chaplain program as a chaplain candidate. Uh, so, sir, if you could uh, tell me your name and uh, what, was your, what was your rank before you retired? Okay, I'm uh, Chaplain Major General, retired Doug Carver. Uh, I was the 22nd uh, U.S. Army Chief of Chaplains. All right. Well, I know there's, uh, for folks like me, and probably for most of us, because it's a very small percentage of chaplains who ever uh, get to hold that position, could you tell us a little bit about what the role of the chief of chaplains is? Well, in many respects, the, the simple role of the chief of chaplains was I was a senior pastor for the United States Army, uh, which included at the time about 1.2 million soldiers, about 300,000 Department of Defense civilians and about uh, 600,000 military family members. And so my, my intent was to ensure that religious support and exercise of uh, their religious liberty uh, remained uh, fluid, intact. And also my other role was in an, an, an advisement capacity to the Chief of Staff of the Army, the Secretary of the Army, and then, of course, the senior army leaders. So that, in a nutshell, was what I did, as well as ensuring that our our chaplains uh, were taken care of um, from a pastoral standpoint. Okay. Now, um, how old are you? Were you when you came into the chaplaincy? Okay. Wow. We're we're going way back. We're going to go back. I think I was uh, in my early thirties. Okay. Uh, yeah, when I became a, a chaplain. Uh, what did you do before becoming a chaplain? Well, immediately prior, I was a pastor for about two and a half years. Um, I, I left college in uh, 1973, graduated from uh, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and had a commission at that time as a field artillery officer. And I served six and a half years um, as, as, as an uh, active duty officer and really felt probably during my time as a battery commander uh, that perhaps I could better serve our soldiers uh, instead of behind the desk as a commander, uh, I, I felt perhaps it would be better served by following and pursuing uh, really a childhood dream of becoming a chaplain. So if, as you're going through this process, you're thinking of making this transition from a, a field artillery officer to the chaplaincy. Uh, what does your family think as you're considering making this transition? Well, I, I think at, at the time... Uh, we were, when I married my wife prior to that time, I, I told her that I really felt a calling on my life to go into the military, 
and into the ministry. And I didn't know how that was going to, uh, to all turn out. But she knew that uh, I had another calling on my life besides just being in the military. So it was not a surprise to her when I resigned my commission uh, and, and then entered into seminary. That's, that's very interesting because it, it was similar for me. I had the calling to the, the ministry, joined the military, and then in college, God brought those two right. together. Initially, they, they hadn't really been together in my mind, but, uh, but then God brought those two together. Yeah, I think the, probably the tipping point for me was uh, when a, one of my deacons asked, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I sort of laid it out. Well, I love the military. It's really going well. Enjoy working with soldiers and, and working within the context of the military. And so I want to maybe do 20 or 30 years, get out, go to seminary and preach till God calls me home. And he, he said to me, don't give God the leftovers. And I, he was sort of joking with me, but that was, uh, that really made me rethink my priorities. Hmm. And shortly after that's when I, after prayer, resigned my commission and then attended seminary. I think it's amazing how God uses other people to to help guide us. A, a deacon, for me, it was my wife, and in many places, it's been my wife. So you, uh, how long uh, was your career in the Army then? I wore the uniform 38 years. 38 years. Yeah. Is there any assignment during your career that stands out to you? Well, they were all great assignments. I mean, as I reflected on my my career as a chaplain, they were they were all wonderful. Uh, probably, obviously, going to war with my troops. Uh, that I think that I think all everyone would say that that's kind of a life changing experience. So shortly after 9/11, uh, stationed in Germany at the time, and we immediately began training for war for the next year or so, and then and then deploying with them uh, in the first first wave uh, in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, 2000, 2003 and four. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was very memorable. Well, I'd like to hear just a few stories from you here about your time as a chaplain. Is there anything that stands out in your mind as a particularly physically challenging thing that you did as a chaplain? You know, as a chaplain, I think um, probably going to airborne school. As a uh, probably a 34, 35 year old, I mean, that's kind of one of those schools you go to as a young as a young soldier, and um, so uh, that that was very physically challenging, especially you know obviously jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, but the uh, running requirement and really the the the, the physical uh, abuse that our bodies took uh, with some of the um, let's say preparation to actually jump out of the plane. There was a lot of running, a lot of upper body strength challenges, and uh, it, was, it was pretty tough. Those, those air, they talk about the airborne shuffle. It, I don't remember one shuffle. It was almost a sprint in some of those two, three, and four mile runs. So most of the, most of the soldiers, the, uh, the military personnel you were around at airborne school were uh, a bit younger then. Uh, I would say most of them were in their 18 to 24 uh, year range. And again, I was around 30, 34, 35. I actually went to the uh, training with another 30 something year old guy and we were battle buddies and sort of the old guys in our, in our unit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <coughs> what, what would you say 
was one of the more spiritually challenging things that you've experienced as a chaplain? Spiritually challenging, wow. Uh, again, one of those that I would say was spiritually challenging was to prepare yourself spiritually uh, to go out uh, into a combat zone with your troops, thinking about uh, what, what, is my, what is my plan spiritually for myself uh, and our troops by being with them, you know, a year or, or longer. Uh, that was challenging just to get into a rhythm, especially uh, at the beginning of the war when we were doing, uh, it seemed, but certainly 16 to uh, 18 hour days, getting little sleep, especially at the beginning of the war, getting into a rhythm because uh, we were all tired and there was something going on continuously and trying to find that that time and that, uh, that ministry of presence that God could bring to me so that I could give to others. Uh, and, and it was somewhat challenging. And then I remember being in, uh, uh, in, in Baghdad uh, initially with all of the noise and it was hard to find a, a place, uh, a quiet place. And um, I remember coming back into my area where I was housed with about 15 other colonels and uh, someone had taken uh, these lockers, foot like a wall lockers, and it actually made a wall around my corner of the room, almost uh, as a sign, hey, we recognize that, hey, you're the chaplain, you need your time to pray, and we're, go we're, gonna, we're gonna give you your sacred space. It was very humbling, uh, but, but I would say that was probably one of the greatest challenges. And then, I think with, with our, our battle rhythm as chaplains, there's always something going on. Finding that daily time where we can plug back into the Lord with our sacred scripture, our prayer, Sabbath rest. I mean, you know, we, it's almost like uh, you work seven days a week. You don't want anybody to think you just work one day. And finding Sabbath rest. I'll share one quick story. I was the chief of chaplains, had just been the chief for a brief period of time, and I remember on a Saturday, I was sitting out at my quarters at Fort Belvoir, and it was almost like the Holy Spirit asked, uh, asked me, when is your Sabbath? I thought, well, I'm resting here, I'm not working, I'm sipping a glass of tea, um, sitting here looking at emails, I had my, uh, my Blackberry, I had my, at that time we had beepers. Um, and it was like I was not unplugging, and I really was convicted. Uh, to make the story short, uh, the the story short, I was convicted that I needed to lay down all of these communication devices, uh, at least for one day a week, uh, instead of constantly being plugged in to my email or my computer, or my cell phone, the beeper, and uh, I really began diligently to guard that time, which I know I needed for the long haul. The chaplaincy, the military at war, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You gotta have that Sabbath rest. I think that is really important even, even now, maybe even more so now as the world's become even more <laughs> connected and, and the expectation has gotten that people are able to always get you instantly yeah. and always get a response. And so right. that, that Sabbath rest is, is vital. 
Well, sir, what, what stands out in your mind as a particularly tough day in the chaplaincy for you? Well, I think of two. I have to share them because I, I think the toughest experience was December the 12th, 1985. I was stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and about uh, 5.45 in the morning, we received a phone call that our troops who were coming back from a six-month deployment to, uh, to the Sinai, multinational peacekeeping force. The plane had crashed on takeoff at Gander, Newfoundland, and uh, uh, 248 soldiers, all of them were killed in the crash, and I knew a lot of the, I knew a lot of the soldiers on board. I just, one of the company commanders, I just baptized him uh, prior to his deployment. So it was very personal uh, to me um, and, and the rest of our chaplains because um, we, we sort of dealt with that tragedy um, from about December till March when we had our last memorial service. It left a tremendous gash, if you will, in our, uh, in our division, the 101st. That was very, that was very difficult. And, and the scars of the trauma of dealing with a mass casualty we probably wrote the book on mass casualty with that uh, uh, because we had an ex it was the worst uh, military air crash uh, in history. I think it still remains that. So to uh, together all of our chaplains and all of our resources to deal with all of the spouses and children that were coming to celebrate a return of which they never did return. So that was probably the worst. I think um, one of the most difficult for the chaplaincy also for me was uh, August the 30th, 2010, uh, when uh, we got news that Dale, uh, Chaplain Dale Getz was killed in Afghanistan. And uh, the survival assistance, well, the notification had just gone to his wife, and I was asked uh, by the Army staff to call her that was a that was a that was one of the most diff, difficult phone calls I'd made because we'd not lost a chaplain in combat uh, in 40 years, and uh, that was a tough phone call. It was a, a tremendous time of mourning and grief for our chaplain corps as we uh, mourned the loss of one of our chaplains. And what even made it more difficult is about three weeks earlier I'd had to call um, Sergeant uh, Chris Stout's. Um, wife, he was the chaplain assistant, and he was killed almost in the same location three weeks earlier uh, in Afghanistan, and also that same kind of reliving that event. So that was a, that was a tough, tough time for us, I think. I'd like to, well, we have a, a few more minutes here, ask if you could sit down with a room full of brand new chaplains. I kind of think back to to you doing that with my class at chaplain school in 2008, what, what advice would you give a group of new chaplains today? I would challenge uh, young chaplains to maintain their calling and not allow uh, all of the temptations of let's say, uh, power and uh, wanting to please, please people 
and wanting to be one of the guys, or you know, wanting to be promoted. Um, it is about being faithful to your calling. The Apostle Paul says, "Work out your calling with fear and trembling." So, it's something you need to refresh and remember every day. Keep that focus and maintain a vital relationship. Uh, in this case, as a Christian with the Lord Jesus Christ, um, that's the best thing that you can bring to your unit. They need to see a person who is a, who who certainly uh, knows who he is uh, as a spiritual leader. We don't need another staff officer. There's plenty of those. We don't need uh, uh, someone that uh, that sort of sort of changes depending on who they're talking with. But they need to see that rock steady um, man of God who brings the word of God to sustain our, our troops who are, who have weariness from from training and combat. So I would I would say that's important to maintain that faithfulness of your calling and uh, stay close to the Lord because there are many things that try to pull, pull or drain you away from. Uh, stay in the Word. Uh, you know, we're here up at near the Cove, and I, I read years ago, Billy Graham was asking, does he have any regrets about ministry and all of his crusades around the world? And he said, well, I wish I'd read the Bible more. And I thought, wow, if Billy Graham has a problem with his calendar, you know, staying in the Word, Chaplains, ministers the same way. So I would, I would stay, say stay close to your holy scriptures. Um, uh, stay close to your family. Don't lose your family. Remember a commander said to, to us once, he said, hey, when, when it's all over and you've got your 20 or 30 years in, the band is played, you've gotten awards and decorations, don't walk off the parade field alone because somewhere in the journey you, you, you left your friends behind you left your family behind, and you know, okay. So I would say, you know, maintain that, maintain that uh, closeness and that relationship with your family and friends. I would, I would tell chaplains, if you don't have a prayer partners, now is the time to have faithful intercessors who pray for you. I, I don't know uh, about you, but I, I, I can feel when people are praying for me, and it's so vitally important to have people intercede for you. Uh, as you go about your duties as, as a chaplain. Uh, be a team player. Don't try to be the prima donna and be the, you know, the head of the class, but be a servant leader. It is about serving. When I made one star, one of my friends gave me a towel. And he said, hey, it's still about towel and basin ministry. It's still about washing feet. This towel just reminds you that you just got more feet to wash. And I think that that's also something that we need to, to remember and to consider, that it is, it is about servant leadership. I would say also maintain your relationship with your denomination, your church. I've seen a lot of chaplains lose that connectivity with the church that sent them into the ministry and sent them into the chaplaincy in the first place. And I have found over the years that it's vital to remain in contact with those mentors, those pastors, those deacons, uh, who saw the calling on your life of God on your life and you were sent in. And so I would say maintain those communications and relationships, letter writing for these people who really are very largely responsible for helping you see this calling as a chaplain. What do you think the dangers are for uh, a chaplain who has 
kind of drifts away from that denominational connection? Well, some, in some respects, it's, uh, it's truth in advertising. But there are no free agent chaplains in the military. We all represent our denomination. We represent the, the beliefs, the theology, the faith practices, and uh, we should be proud to exhibit those and to represent our denomination. Uh, and so, so I think there's a truth in advertising aspect. Uh, and I've seen some chaplains, you're not really sure what they are because they're a little bit of everything. Uh, I think in some respects that's dangerous, and perhaps that's why we sometimes have a bad reputation, that we really don't represent anything. In fact, one of the dangers might also be that we don't even want to represent the Lord that we serve. So, so I, th I, think that, I think that would be something that, that would, I would be concerned about. I want to know, when I go to a Protestant chapel service, for example, and I see your name and perhaps even your denomination, that I know what I'm getting when I come to this service. Uh, you owe that to those to whom you're going to, uh, to lead to the throne of God. So. Well, I have a, one final question for you here, sir. Yeah. Um, what do you see are the biggest challenges facing the chaplaincy in the future? That's a great question. I think about it often. I would say, first of all, there's an increasing secular spiritual tension. Is there even any place for God in the workplace or in the military? <coughs> and so I'm wondering how, who's going to win that battle? Our, our, our cultural mores are changing. People are afraid to talk about moral leadership, for example, because of the various uh, worldviews and scripture that might even uh, you know, leads you to come to certain conclusions morally. So there's a great spiritual secular tension. It's a, it's a wrestling match going on. So it begs the question, what's the value added of spirituality? So I think that's going to be a challenge. Secondly, as a result of that tension, I think the role of the chaplain will be challenged and questioned. From my perspective, I mean, I grew up knowing sort of what a chaplain was. Uh, but things have changed, and I think we are raising up new leaders, junior leaders, that are, that are not aware of the importance of what a chaplain brings uh, to the fight, so to speak, how we can enhance the resilience, the combat readiness of our troops. I remember a, a four-star was asked, he was the former Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff, hey, what keeps you awake at night? He said, I'm concerned that we're fighting an enemy like ISIS, uh, Al-Qaeda, that uh, don't fight by the rules and they have no regard for human life. And his second concern was, and I'm afraid that our troops could fall to that level of war, barbarism. And what prevents that is if we have moral underpinnings, virtue, morals, ethical concerns that we can help shape the hearts and minds of our troops as they go into the chaos of battle. What role does the chaplain play? I believe that a prob <coughs> probably on the horizon we will see the constitutional challenge 
of a uniform clergy. And we need to be prepared, even now, to describe, you know, statistically and concretely, you know, the role of a chaplain. Because uh, it can't be something, well, we've always had one for 241 years. It's got to be something more solid that we can point to, that this is what chaplains bring to the fight of how we, again, using the Army's, uh, the Army chaplaincy's uh, creed, if you will, as we nurture the living, care for the wounded, and honor our dead. Those are important. So I would say that those are some of the challenges. Obviously, with the uh, repeal of Defense of Marriage Act and, and now dealing with transgender issues, Donuts Don't Tell, which has been repealed, it's really a different playing field. And it's, it's in an arena where we have not been before. But I think the chaplaincy's role, again, we can't lose sight of the fact that we are about bringing God to soldiers and soldiers to God. And that's the business that we need to be about. Not getting caught up in the cultural wars, um, but continuing to be true to, the, to our, the dictates of our faith, where we truly believe, and again, I'm speaking from a Christian perspective, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, we need to be prepared to, to uh, defend our apologetics, so to speak, uh, you know, regarding of what we believe. Uh, I think, and probably I've already hit this, but I, I think as a result of this tension of secular, spiritual role of the chaplain, that what could be ushered in is a new kind of chaplaincy where you don't want to offend anyone and maybe even things as uh, secular humanist chaplains and some other challenges, which could change the whole ball game if, uh, if, if, that, if that takes place. Well, sir, I appreciate your time this morning and, and sitting down with me. I, I know you bring uh, a wealth of experience. And so uh, when I saw you here at the conference, I, I knew I wanted to to see if we could sit down and visit for a few minutes. It's been an honor being here. Thank you, Kevin. Good to see you. It's good to see you too, sir. If you like what you hear, please share the podcast with your friends. You can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by searching for Chaplain Stories. And uh, we'll look forward to sharing another story with you next time.